So for part 11 today, I want to talk to you about this getting old. <laughs> getting old. And all the old people said, Yay. amen. That's right. Okay. So, you know, you love it when I talk about how we should not let our feelings control us. When I'm referring to homosexuality or heterosexual lust or greed or murder or anything like y'all love it. Like, yes, don't live by how you feel. But the biggest excuse I hear for people that are over 50 years old when they're asked to serve God in some way is, I feel too old. I just feel so tired. I feel so run down. Well, listen, old people, stop living by your feelings and live by what the Bible says to do. Your destiny does not end just because you turn 60 years old. The dreams that God's put in your heart should not change just because you've had a hip replacement or two, or three. Your enthusiasm and your passion for life should not cease because your hair has turned gray. There is no excuse for you to continue your walk with Jesus, continue growing, continue praying, believing, and stretching your faith just because you've gotten older in life. In fact, one of the biggest excuses in the Bible was this. In Hebrews 11, 11, Sarah said, even though I'm too old, even though I'm too old, here's what she did. She did not consider her body. She did not consider how she felt. She didn't even consider her emotions. You know what she did? She considered her God, who's the one that gave her the promise. Now, here's the coolest thing I want you to see in the Bible. So um, there are basically three stages of life. Now, depending on you know, how long the normal um, average lifespan is, um, I'm going to say it based on today's, but biblically, uh, they lived to be hundreds and hundreds of years old in the Old Testament, in the beginning, before sin ran rampant through the world, because sin destroys, sin, the, the wages of sin is death. And so the lifespan started getting shorter and shorter as sin entered the world, and it went from you know, 800, 900 years old to 30 years old, and even 40 years old when you got right there before Jesus at the end of the Old Testament. Then Jesus comes into the world and dies on the cross, rises again later. And when grace enters the world, then the lifespan started going up from 30 and 40 to now you could live to be 100 years old. Okay, But regardless of what it was back then, basically now we're looking at 90 years or 100 years old. You know, in there is where usually people pass away. So here's what I want to show you. There's three stages of life. The first one is this. You think you know everything. I mean, you think you got it all figured out. Usually it's from zero to about 20-something or zero to 30. You think this is how the rest of your life's going to be, and you married this person, y'all are together forever, and nothing's going to change, and everything's going to be perfect. And then when you get about 30 years old, from 30 to 50, you're in stage two, and you realize you don't know nothing. You know absolutely nothing. And everything you thought was a lie, and you've been deceived half your life, and you finally start to realize, man, I don't have nothing figured out. I need Jesus. Without Jesus, I can't do anything. And then once you get about 50 and above, all of a sudden this wisdom starts coming to your life. This wisdom from experience that you've lived and you finally start learning what it means to have a healthy relationship with somebody because you forgive quicker when you're older. You finally learn what it means to really um, be selfless and to give your life away and how big things don't really matter. And the closer you get to that third stage and even the end of your life, you realize things aren't really that big of a deal like they used to be. But then you think, man, if I'd just known all this stuff when I was in my 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, here's what happens. Um, you learn that because you went through your 20s, 30s, and 40s and 50s. So in this third stage of your life, biblically, biblically, God did more for people in the Bible and our heroes of faith in the third stage than he did the first two combined. Because now God can trust you with a higher anointing because you're more humble. Now God can trust you with certain relationships because you know what it means to really have a good friend. 
I, I love the fact that God always does his greatest works in our future and not in our past. Um, good things are in store for you no matter what age you are. Too many people, though, they're alive, but they're not living. They're alive, but they're not growing. They don't think they need to grow in patience anymore, grow in faith. And I've just hit a, this, it's like they get, they get complacent in life and they stop believing for big things because of the way that they feel or even what they look like in the mirror. None of that stuff can hold God back. None of it. If you're breathing, he has an assignment, something he needs you to do if you're still alive on this earth. So before I get into my three points, I want to read you a Bible story. It's one of my favorites, and you won't see where I'm going until the end, but that's okay. It's going to be really, really good. So John chapter 2 is when Jesus was at the wedding in Galilee, right? There was hundreds of people there. Everybody was having so much fun. What they would do is the weddings in those days would last um, sometimes a week, sometimes two weeks. And everybody that was invited to the wedding, they would all get off work and nobody would work that week. They would just hang out and party, party, party. I mean, you talk about a sock hop. I mean, <laughs> socks were coming off. Like they were just hopping all over the place. And so, um, and so, and so they would, you know, they would eat and they would drink and eat. And the family that got married, they would save up for years for this occasion. And everybody knew this could be a great party. So everyone was having such a good time until day three, the, the wine runs out. There's no wine. Like this was a very, very big deal. Okay. So in John two verse three, and these are relatives of Jesus and Mary. Um, the, when the wine was gone, Jesus's mother told him, Jesus, we have no more wine. We have no more wine. What are we going to do? Here's what's cool. Up until this point, Jesus had not done any public miracles. Now, he may have not done any private miracles. We don't know. We just know biblically it says he had done no public miracles. But here's what's so beautiful. Mary knew something that nobody else knew. Mary knew something that no one else on earth had yet realized. And so when they needed a miracle, they looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, we have no more wine. Now, it's so funny. If you read the story in, in detail, um, Jesus looks at her, his mom and says, what do you want me to do about it? And she doesn't even respond to her son. She looks in the other direction in verse five and says to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. And then I, I think she looked at Jesus and went, huh, and then just walked away. You know? <laughs> I bet she was thinking this, you know, God, he might be your son, but I've changed his diapers. You know, I raised him. So Jesus, you better do what I tell you to do. And so Jesus looks at all the servants and he sees a bunch of um, large empty jars. There were six of them. They had 30 gallons they could hold each. He said, put water in it. So they filled it up with water. Now, you know the story. Jesus turns the water into what? Now, if you're Baptist, he turned it into chocolate milk. But for everybody else, he turned it into wine, okay? So whatever Bible you're reading. So he turned it into wine, which also as a side note, Jesus was a bartender for just that little bit of time. But anyway, okay, so <clears throat> anyway. So he, um, he turns the water into wine. Now here's what I want you to, here's the most beautiful thing ever, okay? So the host is the person they hire, the big wedding coordinator. And here's what the host says in verse nine. When the host tasted the water that was now wine, he called the groom over and said, usually a host serves the best wine first. And when everybody is full and they're drunk and they don't care, then they bring the less expensive wines. But you, now here's the point for today, but you, God, you, Jesus, you save the best for last. I think that's the word that God wants to give everybody in here who's over 50 years old. God always saves the best for last. Um, he saves the best friendships for that final stage. He saves the highest level of anointing. He saves the biggest revelations from his word. He always saves the best for last. And what's so cool is in verse three, Mary said, we ran out. Have you ever felt like you've run out of energy? 
or you've run out of vision for your life, or you've run out of hope, or you've run out of faith, running out is part of God's plan. If they had not run out of what they had, they would never have experienced what God had for them. And you know, life has a way of changing, just like that wedding. For three days, everybody's having a blast. Everything's great. And just like that, the bottom drops out. You know, that happens in life. We're going through life, everybody's having fun, and then somebody dies or something happens or you lose your job or you get sick. Something happens, and just like that, everything you had planned changes. When that happened, Jesus could have easily provided the same wine they had before. That would have been a great miracle. If they said, Jesus, we have no more wine, he turns the water into the wine. They said, oh, this is just, this tastes the same as it did the first time. That would have been an incredible miracle, but Jesus did not do that. He didn't give them what they had before. He didn't give them what they ran out of. No, he always saves the best for last. And that's my word for you today. So three points today on getting older. Number one is this, don't get stagnant. Don't get stagnant. That means you're complacent. You stop growing. You have a, a lazy attitude. You may physically feel like you can't do much, but with your attitude, there's always something you can do to grow, to believe, to serve God. And if you can't you know, go off, then you can call people. If you can't call people, you can write. If you can't write, you can text. You can do something that encourages somebody else and grows your faith. In um, Genesis chapter 11, this man named Terah, God told him, he said, listen, I want you to take your family and I want you to go to the promised land. I'm going to lead you to this place. It's going to be a life-changing experience. I want you and your family to dwell here. And Terah is so excited. And so he sets off for Canaan. And in Genesis 11:31, he took his son Abram. He went forth to the promised land. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. They settled. They stopped growing. They stopped pushing. They stopped moving forward. For some reason, life happened. Things changed. It got difficult. Time passed by. And for whatever reason, Tara thought, I can't go any further. I'm still alive. I just can't go to the promised land. It's not where I used to be. It's not where we used to be. It's good enough. It's not where we want to go. It's good enough. But God didn't call you to live good enough. God called you to get all the way to the promised land. Here's the problem. In verse 32, Tara dies in Haran. He died in the very place that he settled. He died in the place where he gave up. He died in the place where he wasn't willing to stretch his faith anymore. The place in life where we settle is always going to be the place in life where we die. The place in life where you choose to settle in your faith, to just settle in your marriage, to just settle in your relationships, that's what it's going to be like on the day you die. So if you're here today and you refuse to grow any further and you're not giving more and being more and growing more and praying more, then where you're at right now is exactly where you're going to be when you die. You're just taking up oxygen. Don't just take up oxygen. Go all the way to the promised land. No matter how hard it is, no matter what's happened to you, no matter what you feel like or how old you are, get up and keep going forward. Genesis 12, 5, Abram took his wife, his nephew, and all the possessions in Haran, and he said, I'm not going to die where daddy died. I'm not going to live like daddy lived. I'm going to keep, I'm going to go all the way. God called us to this place. We're not stopping in Haran. He went all the way to the land of Canaan. There's a famous um, line in the great movie Shawshank Redemption. I'm going to say the first part, and I'm going to see if you can tell me the rest of it. He says, you can either get busy living or, or get busy dying. Get be one or the other. Um, my good friend, Big Tom, he's uh, 95 years old this year. He's preached here for me before. 95 years old, and he still preaches. 
I just played the piano for him a few weeks ago at the Methodist Church in Myrtle Beach for a service. He still watches his great-grandchildren every single day, and he's 95 years old. You know what he's doing? He's busy living his life. You can either get busy living or get busy dying. Psalms 91.16, God said this, with long life I will satisfy you. So here's the question, what is long life? Is it 50? Is it 70? What is long life? Here's the answer. Long life is until you're satisfied. Uh, too many people, they get satisfied at 60. We don't bury them until they're 90. If, 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 if you're satisfied at 50, the promise is fulfilled. If you're satisfied at 60, the promise is filled. Here's what I'm trying to tell you to do. Don't be satisfied until the last breath that you have in you. There should always be something God's telling you to do, encouraging you to go forward and do not, do not, do not be satisfied until your very last breath. Deuteronomy 34, seven says this, when Moses died at 120 years old, his eye was not dim and his body was still strong. Um, there's this 80-year-old woman. She went on a, a date because her husband had passed away, of course, with a 90-year-old man, 90 years old. And uh, she came home and she was so frustrated. Her daughter said, Mom, what's wrong? She said, I had to slap that guy three times. She said, you mean he tried to get fresh? She said, no, I thought he was dead. <laughs> Listen, go on a date anyway. Colonel Sanders, Colonel Sanders built his first KFC at 65 years old. And he made more money in that first year of KFC than the previous 65 years all combined together. 65, listen, there's so much more left inside of you that you don't even know. You gotta tap into it with your faith, tap into it with your church. Um, my nana, she's 94 years old this year. She's my last grandparent still alive. She's my favorite too. She, she raised me, helped raise me when I was a child. Um, she can't hardly do anything. I mean, she can barely even move from one room of the house to the other. We're begging her to come live in Myrtle Beach with us. She won't do it. She wants to die in her home in Darlington. Um, she's outlived all of her friends, every one of her friends. She outlived one of her children. My Uncle Robert passed away of cancer a few years ago. She outlived her husband. My papa died about 10 years ago. And she really just doesn't do anything with her life except for. And she knows she can't get up. She can't move without help. She can't feed without. The only thing she's living for today is to pray for me and my children every single day. She calls me once a week. That's her purpose for living. She's not satisfied yet. She still wants God to do more in my life and more in my kid's life. She's 94 years old. She can't go visit. She can hardly even hear when she talks on the phone. But here's what she can do. She can make a list of everybody she wants to pray for every single day of her life. Because prayer works and prayer moves mountains. That's why she's alive. Find some reason to stretch your faith today. Remember when the Israelites, they were outside the promised land and God told them to go inside and fight the giants and they all got scared. Remember that story I've told you before. So there were 2 million people out there, okay? Two were named Joshua and Caleb and there was another 199,999,998 people out there. And so there's two million left of the promised land. They all get scared, oh, we can't, we can't do it. So they run out and they retreat back into the desert. Now, um, out of the two million, uh, the adults were over 20. And, and just real quick, I'll give you a quick teaching. Uh, people usually ask, you know, what is the age of accountability in the Bible? 
And some theologians argue 13 because that's when the Jewish boys would have their bar mitzvah. Um, I think 13, 11, something like that. But if you study the scriptures, when it came to the promised land, God told all of them, he said, all of you that are over 20 years old, you're accountable and you're going to die in the wilderness because you disobeyed me. So just a side note. So the 20 and below, they got to keep living. But for the next 40 years, the, everyone that was over 20 when they reached the promised land and refused to go inside, all of those people died in the wilderness over the course of 40 years. Everybody except for Joshua and Caleb. So now Joshua and Caleb are in their 80s. And the kids that were there at the beginning are now in their 40s and 50s. You with me? We're all good, right? And now they're back at the promised land. 40 years later, God's saying this, listen, if your, your parents didn't do it, you better do it. You might have not seen this growing up, but you're going to make it into your promised land. So they get back at the promised land. Now they have to decide, just like their parents did, are we going to fight or are we going to retreat and run in fear? And so what's so interesting is, and Caleb said something in Joshua 14, 11, he said this, it's been 45 years since God promised me the land that I walked over. I am now 85 years old and just as strong now as I was then. Verse 12, now give me the mountain that the Lord promised me. Here's what he was saying. He was, he was not saying, he was not saying, my back hurts. He, he wasn't saying, uh, Medicare hadn't paid my prescriptions this week. I don't know what I'm going to do. He, he didn't have one of those things around his neck that said, I've fallen and I can't get up. He was saying, God, I have an assignment. There's something you need me to do with my life today. Now, here's the problem. He saw the mountain that God promised from 45 years before, but there were three giants living on his mountain that God promised him. What's he going to do? In Joshua 15, 14, it says, Caleb attacked and forced the three giants to leave at 85 years old. What do you do, talk them to death? I'm gonna tell you my whole life story if you don't get off my mountain. <laughs> Either way, he was strong and he took his assignment to heart. Job 29, 18, Job said this, I thought I was gonna die in my nest. He got everything fixed up. Here's when I'm gonna retire. Here's who I'm gonna be married to. We're gonna be happily ever after. And then somehow the bottom dropped out and Job lost everything. Here's what's so cool, though, in Job 42, 12, the Lord blessed that last stage, that third and final stage of Job's life more than all the previous years before because he didn't stay stagnant. Point number two is this. Don't get sour. Don't get sour. It seems like some old people are just so negative. They just love to complain about something, complain about politics, complain about how they feel, complain about the food. My goodness, just because you turn over 60 years old does not give you permission to be sour. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you should be sour. In fact, it says in Proverbs 4.18, the path of the righteous is supposed to get brighter and brighter. The Amplified Bible says the longer righteous people live, the brighter they're supposed to shine. I was studying the life of centennials. A centennial is somebody who, uh, who's lived more than 100 years. And there's people all around the world from different countries that are centennials, but they all share one thing in common, which I thought was so cool. They all share that they love to laugh every single day. They just roll with the changes. You know, they don't complain when the internet came out. They don't complain if the cable's not working like it used to. They don't complain when they go to a restaurant. They just laugh things off. That's just how they live their life. And they live to be over 100 years old. My nana, I told you, who's 94 years old, the biggest kick in life she gets, it's just, it blows my mind, is when it's my birthday or any of my kids' birthdays, 
the most joy she gets in life is whenever she gets, we could pay someone to come and pick her up, you know, and take her to Walmart. And she spends an hour trying to find the perfect Hallmark card to send us on birthday, Valentine's, Father's Day, Christmas. And she loves finding the funniest card she can find. And she knows exactly when the card hits my mailbox. And so she calls me, did you check your mail? Yes, no, no, I checked my mail. And then she immediately starts laughing. I said, no, no, what's so funny? She said, well, did you read the card I picked up? I said, yes, no, no, Hallmark is hilarious. Where do they come up with this stuff? You know, so funny. But she loves to laugh. And, 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 and the children of Israel, when they were um, that first set, when that first set decided not to obey and they ran in the wilderness, at one day, one point, they were dying of thirst. They were incredibly thirsty. Um, they, were, they were exhausted. They were dehydrated. And so all of a sudden, they see, in the middle of the desert, they see water. And they're so excited, they start running toward the water. They can't wait to jump in and swim and drink it. And in Exodus 15, 23, it says, when they finally found water, it was so sour or so bitter, they couldn't drink it. They thought their dreams had come true. They thought this was it. God's finally delivered. And then it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. They, they got pregnant and, and you couldn't carry the baby full term and life got sour. You thought you were going to retire at 60. Something happened. You're just going to be 75 now and life gets sour. You, you marry somebody in your 20s. You think you're going to live happily ever after and somebody's free will messes it up and life gets sour. Here's the good news in verse 25. The Lord told Moses, Throw a piece of wood into the water, and just like that, the water became sweet. Your life may be sour today because of things that happened in the past. All God has to do is add one ingredient to your life, and just like that, everything will become sweet once again. Don't ever give up on your dreams. Uh, years ago, this uh, older lady, she, she was in our church, and um, she was a businesswoman. She had never cooked or, or done anything like that. She spent her whole life as a businesswoman, and you know, she had, um, I think she even had a staff at one point that paid. She paid, and they made her food. Well, she decided now that she was retired, she was going to try to cook. And so her first pie she ever made, she was going to bring to me, her pastor, which um, I believe that she heard from God greatly and that y'all should probably pray about that as well. But anyway, and so she decided to make me a pie and she called and said, Pastor, I made my first pie. It's just for you. It's pumpkin pie. I said, I like any pie. I don't care what it is. I'll eat any shepherd's pie, pumpkin pie, whatever. I don't care what it is. And so um, she brought me the pie to my office and I said, thank you so much. I'm so excited. And she said, well, are you going to try it? And I thought, okay, I guess I'll try it, you know, before you leave. And so I, I took a bite and I put it in my mouth and God is my witness. She should go to jail. That's how bad it was. She should be sued. It was the worst thing I've ever put in my mouth in my whole life. I, and she said to me, is it good? And I lied. So good. Great preacher lives. I even did the facial expression. Mm, my goodness. This is the, I, can't, I don't even want to swallow it. It's just so good. Is, I just want to keep tasting it, you know. I said, I'm glad you like it. And she, she walked out of my office. And of course, I blah, you know, spit it all out. And I thought, man, what is this woman trying to do? Kill her pastor. About three or four hours later, she calls me up. She said, Pastor, I was at home putting away all the ingredients and looking at the book. And I said, I think I forgot to add sugar. I said, if there's any ingredient you add in my food, it's sugar. That's the number one ingredient. All God has to do is add a little bit of sugar to your life and everything will get sweet again. Here's a scripture for you. Psalms 148, 12. Praise God, you old people. Some of y'all should get that tattooed on you somewhere. 
that means when you come to church, don't come here like you're going to somebody's funeral. You come here and you praise God. The Bible says to dance, sing, clap, shout. If you're too old to dance, then you can sing. If you can't sing, you can clap. If you can't clap, you can lift your hand. If you can't lift your hand, you can whistle. If you can't whistle, you can nod your head back and forth. If you can't nod your head back and forth, you can blink to the music. Whatever you can do, just praise God. Don't come here and complain about the songs and the volume and all that stuff. Listen, just let it go. We're not here for you. We are here for Jesus. That's why we're here. We're here to praise him. So um, I, had to, I played the piano at this um, Pentecostal church many, many years ago. And the pastor would tell people like to dance, you know, and some of them couldn't. And so he had to say, he'd say, if you can't get it off the ground, the least you can do is wiggle it around. <laughs> Until your hip, oh my hip. I'm just kidding. Anyway, so this 85-year-old woman, she was living in a senior citizen's home. And um, she was out of shape, believe it or not. For an 85-year-old woman, she was out of shape. So she wanted to start exercising. So she joined an aerobics class. She said the first day she bent and twisted and gyrated back and forth, jumped up and down and perspired for over an hour. She said, but by the time she got her leotards on, the class was over. <laughs> oh my God. I could hardly get through it. I said it too quick. It was, I couldn't even get through it. It was so funny. Okay, point number three, don't get selfish. I couldn't even get through it. Oh my gosh, just looking at the words made me laugh. By the time she got a leotards on, the class was over. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, don't get selfish. Okay, listen, if there's ever a stage in your life where you want to start preparing for eternal rewards, it's that third stage. It is time to give your life away. Jesus said in John 15, 16, I chose you and I put you in the world to produce much fruit. Now, I'm a fruit tree expert. I have them all through my backyard. I've always had fruit trees my whole life. Even when I was a child, we had them. And I've discovered something very cool, and that is the longer a fruit tree lives, the more fruit it produces. The more seasons that it goes through, it has to go through many winters and many storms and many summers and many springs. And the more it goes through, the more fruit you'll see it being produced in its life. Here's the problem. When we quit producing we begin the process of dying. When we stop producing, when we feel like there's nothing much more we can do, we feel like, why are we still here? Listen, God chose you and he put you here to produce as much fruit as you can until the very day that you go to heaven. You gotta keep producing, keep producing. Uh, my grandfather on my dad's side of the family, um, he could not wait to retire so that he could spend every single day serving the church. I mean, I have so many, I can't even tell you all the memories I have of my grandfather just serving. He never complained. He never was opinionated. He never said, why don't we do this or that? He simply showed up at church and waited for somebody to come here and say, we need help. He would fix people's cars. He would maintain the building. He would take care of the plumbing. I probably have over a hundred memories, very clear memories, of him riding the lawnmower at age 50, 60, 70. For 30 years he did this all over the church property. It was his greatest joy to make sure that everything at church worked very, very well. He was a millionaire, but he wore the same exact clothes every day, the same shirt, same blue shirt, same jeans every day of his life for 30 something years, every single day. He'd be out in the middle of the sun in long sleeves and long pants just fixing people's cars, doing whatever he could do. 
Uh, it's so interesting that um, they were millionaires, multimillionaires, and every time he had a car for himself, he would keep it till it had like 600,000 miles on it. He would fix everything on that car. I mean, nothing would go wrong. It would be spotless and perfect and have 300,000 miles on it. If he ever bought a new car, he'd just give it away. He'd buy new cars all the time and just, just give it to somebody and keep that old junker that he loved driving around. He just loved to give. He gave everything he had away up to the day he died. There was nothing left. He gave his energy. He gave his wisdom. He gave his encouragement. He gave his love. He gave forgiveness. He gave financially. He gave, 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 gave. And talk about collecting eternal rewards. There's so much wisdom inside of some of you. You got to find somebody younger than you to pour into. Someone to encourage. Don't waste this last stage of your life. Psalms 118.17 says, I will live and not die and declare the works that the Lord has done. Here's my question. Are you living or are you existing? You know, there's times like where we all feel like just exist, existing no matter what age we are. Don't fall into that trap. Don't fall into that trap. Remember the guy named Art Linkletter? Anybody know who that is? Okay, so back in the day, he was like a radio personality many years ago, great guy. I was reading about him this week, and um, he died at the age of 97 years old back in 2010. Up until he was 96 years old, Art Linkletter would travel the world and speak hundreds of times throughout the year up until he was 96 years old. He could have been sitting at home in his recliner watching reruns of Law and Order, you know, saying, when are my grandkids going to visit me? And I wish somebody would call me. No, he was up doing something with his life. You might retire from your job. Don't retire from life. You're still alive. Volunteer up here. We need help. We're starting a Christian school in the next year or two. We need volunteers every day to help teachers. There's now kids camp. Volunteer. Bring food for the youth on Wednesday. Get a part of a Bible study. Join the choir. Do something. Produce. Produce. There's so much more in you. I was reading about a famous cellist named Pablo Casis. Uh, he was the greatest cellist who ever lived. He accomplished things on a cello that no one else had ever done in the entire world in all of history. At age 85 years old, Pablo still got up early every morning and he practiced for five hours. A reporter asked him one day, why do you still put in so much effort every single day? And he smiled and said, I think I'm getting better. <laughs> in other words, I'm still going to grow. There's still something I have to do. I still have a purpose to my life. Last story is about a woman named Naomi. She was a widow in the Bible. Her life became very, very sour at one point. She lost her husband and she lost her two sons all in the same battle. In Ruth 1 verse 12, Naomi said this, I'm too old to have hope. I've been through too much. I've seen too much. I can tell you the world's not looking good. The future doesn't hold anything special for this place. Nope, the whole place is going to burn to hell. I can't wait to get home to heaven. Get me out of here. She had no hope left inside of her. Her daughter-in-law, Ruth, decided to come and help take care of her. And so they moved back to their homeland trying to find food because they had no men, no husbands to take care of her. And so Ruth, the younger one, she would pick up leftover grain in the field to try to feed her and her mother-in-law, Naomi. And they were just barely surviving, barely getting by at all. Well, the owner of this big field, the owner of this business, a very rich Christian and good-looking man named Boaz started kind of taking a liking to Ruth. So Naomi, when she noticed this, she all of a sudden found her purpose in helping a younger woman's 
dreams come true. Her dream might not have come true. Things didn't work out well for her, but she thought, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to do something to help somebody else. So she started giving Ruth some advice. And by the way, this advice is still good to this day, ladies. 4,000 years later, Ruth 3 verse 3 says, wash yourself, girl. Put on some perfume. That's point number two. Wear your best clothes. Not that old flannel robe you've been wearing, by the way, okay? And go where Boaz is working. There you go, ladies, right there. That's your, that's your word from God. <laughs> and so she went, and long story short, they fell in love and got married. They had a little baby named Obed. Obed, of course, is uh, King David's grandfather, Obed, Jesse, David. And um, here's what's so cool about little baby Obed. In Ruth 4.15, it says, Naomi loved the baby and raised him. Obed, watch this, made Naomi young again. And then he took care of her in her old age. Isn't that so special? See, she basically adopted this girl, helped her dreams come true, and then their baby became such a vital part of her life, it made her young again. She found her purpose. My purpose isn't to be selfish. My purpose is to give my life away. Who can I still help? And then God in return let that baby grow up and then take care of her in her old age. If you want God to make you young again, never stop producing. Don't get stagnant, selfish. Keep going forward in life. Last thing is a little poem that I love by Edwin Markham. It says this, great it is to believe the dream as we stand in youth by the starry stream. But a greater thing is to fight life through and say at the end, the dream is true. Never give up on what God's put inside of your heart. You being old is not an excuse. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's go to the Lord.